Thank you, Tuxie. You've slept. I'll look. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's the way it will go. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew Leyland, and I am still Crokey, and I normally do Hey Kids comics. But today, I'm doing a very special commentary, whatever this ends up being, because uh, on the Battlestar Galactica theatrical released movie, theatrically released movie that's just come out on Blu-ray, to celebrate its 25th anniversary. Largely because A, I love Battlestar Galactica, and B, one half of the Two Two Freaks duo said, Ah, oh, I'm going to be busy, so people help me. And so I said I'd do this. And the other half said, Yeah, go on, I like having a month off. First half never said anything. But he never does. So we're doing the... And we've gone straight into it, you may well have noticed. So none of this preamble where we say, Right, queue up your DVDs or whatever it is the hell you've got. Because I'm not convinced that people actually watch commentaries with what it is you're commenting on. I'm not convinced that anybody listens to you anyway. <laughs> I am so delighted to have you as a wife. Thank you very much for, for that. Uh, Battlestar Galactica. There's numerous versions of this. Uh, the original three-hour version that heard on American television in September of 1978 the three-part version that errs in syndication under the title Saga of a Star World, and this version, which was the theatrically released version that was released around the rest of the world, but not North America, in July of 1978 to recoup some of the staggering $12 million that this cost to produce. Just to put that in perspective, Star Wars only cost $9 million. This is not three hours long, is it? No, this is only 125 minutes. Oh, right. That's not You factor it. I don't see how you can not love that theme. And it's got one of the, the best soundtrack scores of any television show ever. The opening credits were obviously not the opening credits of the television series. And this bit here was moved to the beginning of the TV show when you watched it every week. Doing the voiceover is the magnificent... Patrick McNee, better known as John Steed in the Avengers. I think McNee just adds class to anything he's in. He's got a great voice, hasn't he? I can't hear him over you. Well, obviously the point of doing a commentary is that I talk over the film. If you just wanted to watch the film, we would have watched the film. I saw the Mission Galactica, the Cylon Attack, which was the sequel to this film, before I actually saw this when they were released on video in the early 1980s. Gotta say, this Blu-ray transfer looks pretty damn good, doesn't it? Our first view of the mighty Battlestar Galactica. Special effects in this were, let's be honest, by the people who made Star Wars. John Dykstra took his entire crew from Star Wars and they went and made Battlestar Galactica. I don't think George Lucas was terribly impressed. No. They were, we don't start on the Battlestar Galactica, we start on the Battlestar Atlantia. Again... I think the spaceships in Battlestar Galactica are some of the finest designs of anything. I love the spaceships in Galactica. The Galactica is designed to look like an aircraft carrier, but in space, which is essentially what it is. It also looks like a crocodile, which uh, I found quite interesting. The Council of Twelve would be the political body that governed the Galacticans. They would, throughout the series, largely be seen to be a group of buffoons. And this is no different, with the exception being, of course, the mighty Commander Adama, 
who we just saw there played by Long Green, who just come off 15 years of bonanza. Zach Springfield, Zach Springfield, Rick Springfield, playing Zach, Apollo's brother. Apparently, Rick Springfield was a big deal for some reason. Apparently, he was a pop star of some description. I don't know who he is. I do know that he's in an episode of The Incredible Hulk as well. So he's Zach, he's Apollo's brother. In the reimagined oh, version. Starbuck's boyfriend in the new one. Yes, because let's clarify Starbuck is a girl in the reimagined Galactica. My wife is a huge fan of the new Battlestar Galactica, not so much the old one. Dirk Benedict playing Starbuck obviously would go on to play exactly the same character. Five years worth of the A team. I can only imagine what being on a spaceship is like with someone who smokes all the time. I bet that's delightful. Uh, Richard Hatch, Captain Apollo, just come off playing Michael Douglas's replacement on the streets of San Francisco. Again, the the digital Blu-ray transfer on this is pretty damn good. They seem to have cropped it to fit a 16 by 9 frame. I can't. Uh, I've not got the other one out for comparison, so I can't do a 4 by 3. This scene is not this long in the television version. It cuts after Zack goes, Woo! This little character bit here where Apollo is it's making it quite clear he knows that there's nothing wrong with Starbuck's stomach. Is not in the television version. So there's a couple of differences that we'll try and point out as we go through the movie. First shot that we will see ad infinitum in the series that followed, the shots of the Vipers launching. Come on, the Viper is a fantastic spacecraft. Look at it, how cool is that? It's sleek and it moves and it wobbles and oh, bit of a flub there on the special effects because of the digital transfer. I love the Viper. It doesn't make any sense that they would have something that shows you where the horizon line is because they're in space. And people, my granddad used to watch this with me. My granddad would not watch a lot of stuff with me of this ilk. He wasn't a science fiction fan. He liked Star Trek because Star Trek was basically the Navy in space. But he would sit and take the mick out of Battlestar Galactica scientifically an awful oh, lot. I was just going to say maybe that's why I get on with you, Maybe, possibly. One of the things that he did like to point out was that turbos do not work in space. Turbos work by sucking the oxy- oxygen into the engine. There is no oxygen in space. No. Therefore, turbos would not work in space. John Colicos plays Baltar without the herpes that he would have in the series that followed. Colicos is best known for being the first Klingon core in the original Star Trek series. And our first proper appearance by Lorne Green as Commander Adama. Adama was always very avuncular and very friendly in the old show. He's the only one here who has any idea that the Cylons may be up to something after a thousand year war. And it kind of followed that path throughout the show. Do you just want to play your DS? No, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you because I've no choice. That's true. It's pointless regarding the commentary if you're not going to talk, isn't it? To be honest with it. Adama was always the only one who had any brains which kind of undercut 
the drama of the TV show. Any time there would be any political machinations or the Quorum of the Twelve would be up to something, you always knew they were bad guys because Adama was always right. Contrast that with the reimagined version where Adama was frequently seen to be wrong. He just never admitted it. No. It doesn't look like a storm, Apollo. It looks like two ships. I'd listen to your little brother. Gotta say, again, this, this digital transfer is pretty damn good. We've only noticed one serious special effects flub. Many of the props, sound effects, special effects... Mac paintings would be reutilized for Buck Rogers in the 25th century. So if you recognize any of the sound effects, that's probably worth it. But an awful lot of these are just stock universal sound effects. That special effect there. Oh, they've definitely cropped that, haven't they? They've cropped it for a 16 by 9 frame. The word silent freighter didn't fit on the top of the screen. The, uh, the handsets that they're using, the joysticks that they're using, frequently change between turbo, fire, and whatever the other button was three other buttons, one that says I am which I never understood as a child I am I am I never, I never knew what the I am stood for he had instant messaging in the vipers that would be pretty awesome face, bloody, bloody. let's put this into perspective people who wish to, to mock the Galactica's special effects on American television this replaced the six million dollar man in the schedule. Now, I love the $6 million man, as you well know, but this does not look anywhere near as dated as that, does it? The $6 million man is practically carbon dated in the 70s. It actually looks better than your Flash DVD. Well, this has been spruced up for Blu-ray. Right, oh. So this is, this is a Blu-ray. First appearance of the Cylons, with the woo which they would carry over to not only the reimagined series, but also Knight Rider, where they would steal the idea of having the woo-woo. I did like that in a lot of cases here, the Vipers and the Silence aren't just flying on one plane, like they're uh, on the sea. In the nice light. Yeah, they're actually utilising the fact that they're in space and they're banking and swooping. They would forget that pretty quickly in the series that follows. It's the reverse thrusters and maximum braking flaps gag that they used every other week. Oddly, the Cylons fell for this every single week. I love that they look behind them. Like, where else have they just gone? IM. Turbo fire and IM. I, I do wonder what IM stood for. Instant messaging. Uh, fair enough. I love the design work on this show. Special effects. Universal stock sound effect for explosions. You'll have heard it on Six Million Dollar Man. Did you see there? Those Zach's buttons didn't have an IM. It had something else. Galactica was frequently full of that kind of flood stores. Did you see? So, so, so you're not paying any attention as I'm pointing out these little interesting nuggets. You point them out after they've gone off screen. Well, I can't pause it when we're doing the commentary. <laughs> 
love love all of the design work in this show. I love the Vipers. I love the, the Silent Raiders. I love the costume. If I'm going to cosplay as anything, I would want to wear a Colonial Warrior outfit. Because it is just pants and a jacket and biker boots, isn't it? There's nothing embarrassing about it. I love the helmets, the pseudo-Egyptian helmets that they were. And then suddenly Apollo realises that the Cylon fleet is much more than just four Cylons. It always is. It always is, yes. The reimagined version, apparently they did a lot of market research before they decided to redo it. And they were surprised to learn that not only did people remember the name Battlestar Galactica, which was quite rare given the series only lasted for one season. Did it? Yeah, it only ran for 22 episodes one season. The budget being 12 million can't have helped. No. And it's, it's a show that was so expensive that the ratings had to be spectacular, not just what they were, which was good. This pilot episode attracted a viewing audience in America of 65 million people. That's an astonishing number. But the other things that were most memorable to people from a 30-year-old television show was they remembered the Cylons, they remembered the Woo Woo, they remembered the Vipers, and they remembered Dirt Benedict's Starbuck. So it's no coincidence that pretty much all of those elements remain into the reimagined series intact the Galactica still looks like the Galactica, slightly modified the Vipers they don't change the Vipers the old Vipers look exactly the same as these ones don't they? Longer nose because don't they find an old one? Yeah, they use, one? they use the old Vipers when they realise that the Cylons are linking into the computers on the new Vipers so they go back to using the old Vipers that in the reimagined series Commander Adama used, and those old Vipers are the ones in the series, in the 70s series. The nose is longer, but the design is the same. Commander Adama, the voice of reason, once again. And Colonel Ty, played by Terry... Somebody or other. God, I've forgotten his name. Terry Carter, I think. Terry Carter was supposed to play Boomer, but broke his leg. If you were to see, any time you, you don't see his legs, he's got a cast on. And you don't see him move. Then you don't see him move, so they recast him as Colonel Ty, because Colonel Ty doesn't really have a lot to do other than stand on the bridge and offer advice. And look moody. And look moody, because that's what he is. In the reimagined Galactic, Colonel Ty is a white man rather than a black man, which received absolutely no criticism whatsoever Unlike the recasting of Starbuck as a woman, which everybody moaned about. Despite the fact that the character is essentially exactly the same, isn't it? Cylon's going woo-woo, which never gets old. Which is fortunate, because they would reuse that for Steve Stores on the turbo button. Did you not spot it then? No. I would see it, yeah. It's been especially for good. Of course it would, Adama. Everyone had really cool names. Starbuck playing Pyramid for Cubits. Which, uh, more of the wonderful Galactica lingo. This scene is a little bit longer in the television version. Edited down. 
for the TV show. For the TV show, for the theatrical release. Starbucks stuffs the cubits down his pants. I can't imagine that that's incredibly intelligent because won't they just fall right through? Unless he's putting them into his undies. Do they have undies in Battlestar Galactica? It was the 70s, they may be tighty whiteys, I don't know. Excuse me. In the 70s, I don't think they were white, were they blue and brown? <laughs> brown with cream piping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God. I can't, you've just removed all of Starbucks' cool with the idea that you may be wearing brown with cream piping tighty white fronts. I am disappointed now. That'll be stuck in your head all there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It is never explained in the television show why Baltar betrays his entire race. In the novel, I think it's explained that he enters into negotiations with the Cylons with the agreement that they will spur his planet and he will be allowed to rule. Which I just think makes him seem even stupider. Hmm. If the Cylon's goal is the ultimate annihilation of the life form known as man, oh, except that one planet that we're going to let Volta have. That doesn't really make much sense, does it? Rick Springfield, big star at the time. Everybody loved him. I don't know who he is. Reminds me of John Travolta. But don't get all too concerned about it. Because you know what happens to Zack, don't you? He ain't making it. He ain't coming back alive, though. Bontar has disappeared. Kel surprise. Shot of all, a very rare shot of all of the Galactica fleet. All of the Galactica fleet. All of the 12 battle stars. All in one place at once, which seems a bit stupid. And say bye bye to Rick Springfield, who just blew up. I wouldn't be too concerned. The fact that they lost Zack is never mentioned again in the series. Mentioned a couple of times in the pilot mover, but never again. All right, so it was Philly Stump. Well, if you remember in in the reimagined one, he only has Zach and Apollo, doesn't he? Mm. He doesn't have Athena. The girl there is his Athena, his daughter. Right. I don't know how militarily credible it is to have an entire family serve on one aircraft carrier. They rename Boomer Athena, don't they? Yes, in the reimagined series, Boomer is revealed to be, spoilers, a Cylon. But she is a Cylon who turns to work for us because she marries Hilo. And she takes on a new code name because the name Boomer is a Cylon. So she becomes Athena at that point. Which was a nod to the fact that there was an Athena in the original show that was Adama's daughter. Who just, they never even bothered with in the reimagined one, did they? Adama had two sons and that was it. A couple of the semi-regulars propped up though. We just saw Herb Jefferson Jr. as Boomer for the first time. Tony Schwartz as Jolly. I don't understand why the rest of the Battlestars weren't able to launch the fighters. Because surely at this point they can see all this going on. But the idea behind it was some kind of Pearl Harbor-esque attack on the fleet that wipes them all out. 
See, Apollo doesn't know that Zack's dead, which is a shame. Why is he not out there anywhere? Because he's come back to warn the fleet. Well, that's... When they found the Cylon armada behind the refueling depot, they turned around to come back to warn the fleet because there was too many of them. Zack got hit and couldn't make it. His turbos weren't working. So Apollo come back to warn the fleet on his own. They don't have radios in this. Apparently not, no. <laughs> it's a very low-tech, high-tech universe. So they can talk to each other, but not command? Maybe they're too far away. I don't know. Glenny Larson wrote it. He doesn't have a reputation as somebody who has a lot of logic in his plots. So how does command tell them what to do and where to go and when to come back, then? If no contact, then they have to come back and... You have to come back to actually physically Ask tell dad them. What to do next. <laughs> In this case, literally, Dad. <laughs> See, Adama, the only one that puts it all together. Notice that Battlestar though doesn't have a nameplate. Which I thought was. Oh, really? Boom! He had a pawn stash, he was destined to die. <laughs> the design of the Galactica's bridge is pretty cool. It has a, a dome in the middle that spins around so that Adama can survey his entire fleet at it's any more of a time. Platform than the dome. Uh, yeah, it's a spinning disc is what I meant. Like what the Batmobile sits on in the back cave and then yeah. it spins around. A revolving platform. A revolving platform, yes. Some excellent shots here of the Cylons attacking the Battlestar Atlantia, which is apparently the flagship Battlestar. I don't understand why the Atlantia is the flagship Battlestar. Maybe it was the first one that they built because it doesn't look to be any different to any of the other battle stars, other than it has the president of the colonies on it. But that's probably just because it is the flagship, rather than... Yeah, I mean, it could be the equivalent of Air Force One, couldn't it? Yeah. The president of the colonies is on it, it's the Atlantia, but that doesn't really make much sense, because it has its name inscribed on the on the side. I do love that each Battlestar has a Death Squadron. I like the idea that there's a Galactica Death Squadron and a, a Pegasus Death Squadron. The Battlestar Pegasus isn't mentioned here, but would show up in a later episode as the only other surviving Battlestar from the attack on the colonies. Again, the reimagined version would feature an episode with the Pegasus. Does this one have a crazy captain as well? No, this one has an avuncular captain played by Lloyd Bridges. The 70s didn't do crazy ambiguity or darkness. The opening of this, where the entire human race is pretty much wiped out, is as dark as this show got. And then they probably forget about it towards the back end. And we just have fun travelling. Yeah, we just, have, we just have fun space adventures travelling and blowing up silence. With that stupid robot dog thing as well. You will see the robot dog later. Oh, Stu Phillips' excellent score for the Cylons. Doo, doo, doo. 
boom, boom. Silent Bear Start, another absolutely fantastic spaceship design. They did not use this in the Reimagined show, did they? No, I thought they were cooler in the new one. Aren't they just like big spike they're type like, things? Yeah, they're like our TV. They're a similar design in that there's two at the top and two at the bottom. Yeah. But they're more spiky. No, 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 they were three. Were they? Yeah. They were like, um, a, a, like that kind of, and crossed over. Right. Like that, but not. Crosses. First appearance of the Imperious Leader. He's got a little snake-like thing on his shoulder. Known as man. It looks like a lizard. Yeah, a big lizard. You would not see a lot of the Imperious Leader in the series and even in the pilot film you'll see him all in shadow largely apparently the the puppet that they made didn't look terribly good on film no it looks like the guy in that episode of Doctor Who <laughs> where he one? takes his human head off and he's all like worms since your death yeah the one in France yeah yeah it looks like him yeah ultimately that would be the reason only sparklier that they would use Baltar as the villain in the series. A, John Kolikovs can chew the scenery like nobody's business, and B, it gave the villains a, a human face, whereas the Cylons were just like, by your command, and the Imperious Leader couldn't emote. So they didn't use the Imperious Leader a great deal. The Galactica swooping through space on three different domains, on its axis, so it's not just using space as one place, heading back to the colonies. Rather... Oh, this bit here. The Cylon fleet swooping in over Caprica. The special effects crew apparently had a really tough time making this and apparently spelt out in the lights of the words fuck off, which you probably won't be able to make out on this. But in the photo novel, they actually had a picture still that did actually say that. You could clearly see the words in the lights. This scene introducing Jane Seymour as Serena, better known as Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, is a lot longer in the television version. The television version has her as a, a newscaster, like Susanna Reid. She's delivering an on-camera speech about the, uh, the peace armistice. All of that got cut from the theatrical version. The only hint you have of it is that she's holding a microphone in that earlier shot that she just threw away. No, she throws it away when she starts looking for Boxy, who is her son. Boxy. It's a very tall, thin microphone like Terry Wogan had in Blankety Blank. Which I, thought was, I always thought that was quite amusing as a kid that Jane Seymour had... Uh... Oh, and they are going to kill the dog. You never kill the dog. And yet here the Cylons crush the dog under rubble. Poor Muffet. Muffet the Daggett. More of that cool Galactica lingo, Daggett being a dog. They just call it a dog. Because they have cubits and microns and centons and felgagard and frack. They have Farscape language before Farscape though. It's pretty damn good. Um, Jane Seymour signed up to do the pilot because she's supposed to die in it. Alright. Jane Seymour is supposed to have cancer in this. All of that was cut. From the movie. Yes, changed the mind at the last minute. Nobody was more surprised than her to sit and watch this pilot movie when it heard and her not die. It was quite. Well, she did the two episodes of the series that followed this. 
a two parter called Lost Planet of the Gods. Well, she did die. Alright. Oh, so she, they finally got to kill her off. Do you know why all these people are crying? Why? Because they saw the dog get crushed. Yes, they're not bothered about the fact that Caprica is being blown to hell. <laughs> they're more bothered about the fact that the dog got killed. All of the planets in the Galactican, I presume it was the solar system, were colonised. They all had cool names like Sagittaria and Caprica and Gemon. And so they were obviously big on astrology. If they had all those wacky names. Uh, why is this not? Oh no, it's only got 50% left. 50? Yeah, hold on, I'm going to have to pause Cylons, why the Galacticas here? Carpet bombing everywhere. But was the Galactica Death Squad? We established that there was an Atlantia Death Squad, so presumably there was a Cylon Death Squad for all of the 12 battle stars. Right. Have the Galactica Death Squad not noticed the Galactica's not there? Maybe they got lost. <laughs> Cylons. So the only reason the Battlestar Galactica survives is the Galactica Death Squad got lost. The Cylons didn't have GPS. <laughs> well, they don't have radios for calling back to base. I'm sure they explained that there was, you know, a radio malfunction or something. Yeah. Apollo, go and tell your dad that there's a lot of people here. I love the, the dirtying down of the spaceships. Now that looks cack. Yeah, the back, the rear projection stuff doesn't look quite as good as it did on television on shiny Blu-ray, which is a shame. I'd wonder how much cleaning up they've done on it. It doesn't look like they've done a, a great deal of stuff at the next generation type cleaning up, does it? I still think it looks pretty good. I mean, Athena's got Farrah. It was the 70s. Because it was the 70s. Athena's hers not quite as 70s as Dirk Benedict. But you haven't really seen that yet because he's not took his helmet off. Didn't they do a riff on this in the reimagined one as well? What? Starbucks got no landing gear. So he has to come straight in to the landing bay and then just hit the brakes as hard as she can. Which is essentially what male Starbucks doing here. Stay 
Yeah, I'm sure they did a riff on this in the reimagined one. The special effects in the reimagined one were a bit more convincing. Yeah. One little shot of the, the viper screeching along. And then Starbucks, okay. Just jumps out. Hmm. All that build up. Do you think Starbucks got much more 70s her than Athena? I don't know if I can kill us like Michaels. <laughs> the 70s didn't do product, did it? No, it's just fluffy. Fluffy and blow dry. Just watching that scene with her, she seems like a pin in the backside. She's not a particularly good actress, which is a shame, because, you know, (laughs) it's large with the pretty, but her role would get downplayed as the series went on. Mm. They would all adopt more typical female roles. Athena would become a teacher. She would stop being a warrior, because, you know... It's the 70s, and we women, you should know your place. Of course. As it is today. <laughs> God, yeah. If only. <coughs> In the new one, isn't Adama estranged from his missus? Because obviously the new one never had a relationship that it couldn't make dysfunctional. Is she not dead? Is she already dead at the time of the colonies being... Or isn't she getting... I thought she was getting married again. I thought he was estranged from her and she was remarrying. At the time of the Cylons wiping out humanity. Is that not right? I don't remember. I don't know. she's dead later on. Yes, because... Obviously. I love, I love this. That uh, all the people that are left on Caprica proving that the, the Cylons didn't do that good of a job... They all show up with pitchforks and torches, like they're out hunting for Frankenstein's monster. Chase them off the planet. Love the life-size vipers. I do wonder what happened to them. Let's get out of here. Let's get back to our battle star. Let's do a runner, leave them to it. Yeah, that's food on it. The lightless was largely down to the fact that 70s her, I think. I do like that he's crying and it's all fell on his uniform. Long Green's actually doing proper crying. They've not just looked, thrown acid in his eyes just yeah, to make him cry. I don't, I don't encourage throwing acid in somebody's eyes. Such things are not to be encouraged. I'd take those photos of Apollo and Zach. Notice he didn't have one of Athena. <laughs> don't care about what? his daughter. I thought it was a picture of his wife. It, she was next to him. Oh, right, okay. I was just distracted by that scene because he looked like Gizmo. Aww. <laughs> A fat Caprican. I want to know where you were as well. All of you. We waited. Would it not have made more sense if Jane Seymour's got a British accent? Yeah. 
which he has. Would it not have made more sense for this planet to be populated with people with British accents to establish that the colonies had different accents? Because it seems a bit strange that she's the only one with a British accent. I thought you were following well up with a profound observation. Well, you can go into town and not everybody sounds British. No, they sound northern, which is worse. I've heard quite a few uh, languages today, never mind. Well, that's what I'm saying. So surely there would be different dialects in the colonies. But you just said shouldn't everybody... Well, shouldn't everyone have... Well, you can have different dialects within the same accent. It just strikes me as very odd she's the only one with a different accent. Everyone's straight out of LA Central casting, apart from Jane Seymour. Some of the ships that they use now, that surely would have been easy pickings for the Cylons, who are miraculously nowhere to be seen. A number of these ships would make a reappearance in the reimagine. There's the Colonial Movers one. We move anywhere. That one would end up being in the reimagine series. Because how long do you think it took them to gather this fleet? And the Cylons just were like, oh, well, oh. We've, we've wiped them all out. Obviously the two minutes it just took. Two minutes. <laughs> Colonial movers, we move anywhere. I always thought it was amusing. So is that just a big cargo ship? Yeah. Well, I, I imagine they're, they're, they're just house movers. You can rent them. You're moving from one planet to another you in the colonies. You hire colonial movers. Removable truck. Yeah, essentially. <coughs> so the model work. The, the model works very detailed. Toys. They are not toys. They're you can models. Reenact it with your new toys. I can reenact it with my new toys, which I'm very excited about. Only yours is a stealth silent ship. Yeah, that looks a bit bad in high def, doesn't it? Mm. The twin sons. Yeah, the backdrop stuff doesn't look quite as good as it used to do, which is a shame. But the special effects are holding up quite well. Reasonably. Yeah. Let's Can for, consider the source. I think, I think the special effects in this hold up next to the first season of The Next Generation, which was nine years later. Lens flare. You can't help but have lens flare on the Cylons. They're very shiny. <gasps> Come on, John Kalikos is brilliant. I, I, I never got Boltar's motivations, even as a kid. Come on, one of the best scores of any television show ever. It's alright. Is it? Is it okay? Because it, it is, they did get the fleet together and run away very quickly, didn't they? Yeah. And the Cylons just weren't around while they were doing this.
I love that he says we're going to seek out this last colony without actually knowing where it is. So how does he plot a course? Does he just say, oh, let's try that way? Otherwise, we don't have a weekly television show. Mm-hmm. We just go straight there. They've come from planets called Sagittaria and Caprica and Geminon, or whatever it's called. And then he just says, Earth. We're going to Earth. We're going to Earth. In the reimagined series, he's lying, isn't he? When he tells them that they're going to search out the, co- the, far- the 13th colony and go for Earth, <coughs> Rosalind, look who eventually comes, Laura Rosalind, who becomes president of the colonies in the reimagined version, she doesn't have an analogue in the old one. She actually confronts him on it and says, You are lying. You don't know Earth's even out there. And doesn't he say something like, It doesn't matter what I believe, as, it's long, the, as, they as long as they've got hope. So in the reimagined one, he doesn't. Adama doesn't even believe there is an Earth to go to. He lies for the benefit of his people to give his people some hope, which apparently took an awful lot of stick from some fans of the old shows. Like Adama would never lie to his people. Yeah, he would. What I love about that is uh, he would do much worse over the course of the series yeah. than just lie to people. The television version went off though for the end of part one alright so we're halfway through no we're, we've just reached the end of the first episode oh, yeah. this is three episodes stitched together to make one movie oh. there's a lot missing that bit's quite funny what we've got people looking for solium leaks how did they miss us for that and then Apollo says we're looking for solium leaks Starbuck and Boomer like ah see ya in the reimagined version, Starbuck and Boomer are women. So, Captain Apollo is the Actually, only one who returns his bowels. Boomer's a silo. Yeah, Boomer's a silo. Spoilers. Boomer's. Apollo, sorry, not Boomer. Apollo's very uptight in this bit. Although he has just lost his dad. And his dad, sorry, his, his brother, brother. And his mum. And indirectly, it's Starbucks' fault that he lost his brother. What? Well, if Starbuck had took his patrol like he should have done, Zack would still be alive. Hmm. Ah, Starbuck, ever the optimist. This is something that, again, we would never see again in the series. Slums. Yeah, people living in the slums on the ships all cramped together because there's nowhere else for them to go. There are so many great ideas in the first half of the pilot that they never went back to. They never went back to the idea of where are they getting the food from. They never explored the idea of where they were getting water and fuel from. All the ideas that they did explore thoroughly in the new series, the old one just ignored. In fact, there's a scene in this one where Apollo says something along the lines of nobody's living in luxury and then in the first episode of the series it's Adama having a captain's table dinner where they're all stuffing their faces 
and it's <coughs> it, it's not supposed to but it makes you think alright so while everyone else in the fleet is starving you're all okay on the Galactica it just reflects real life doesn't it <laughs> oh Cassiopeia I was quite fond of Cassiopeia as a child was you really? yeah I don't see why I would be fond of her in the pilot this is another one where the women were watered down Cassiopeia is a, a socialator can you guess what a socialator is she's called of that a socialist is a prostitute. I was scared, you know. Um, an idea that, let's be honest, the show was ahead of its time. Firefly would do that exact same idea, what, 15, 20 years later? Yeah. And do it in a much better way. In the series, Cassiopeia's a nurse. There's a line of dialogue about, oh, the destruction of the colonies has let me change who I want to be and I can reinvent myself. Both of them look after people's needs. Yes, I suppose. Well, yeah, there is that. I'm boiling. Love the shuttlecrafts on the insides. It, It looks like they've spent an awful lot of thought on actually having devices inside the shuttles and on the Galactic Bridge and inside the Vipers that look like they actually do something and not just a bunch of flashing lights. All there are just a bunch of flashing lights every now and again. starts flirting with the socialator as you would expect it's a nice name Cassiopeia we should call our daughter Cassiopeia or not or not let's name your daughter after a prostitute I prefer to say we're named after a star cluster but you know it's just me instead you named after a demon yeah that's fair enough There was a scene in the TV version between Athena and Starbuck that established they had some kind of relationship going on. But given that he walked in on a changing and she hid from him, it can't be a relationship that's gone very far because surely he'd seen it all before. And why is she shy if that's one? Unless she only flashes when she gets paid. No, maybe. No, no, this is Cassiopeia, not Athena. I always thought Starbuck was on dangerous ground dating the commander's daughter. Yeah. And then treating her like, well, I'm just going to go out with another woman now. Surely Commander Adama would have had something to say about that. <laughs> would he not have put him on every bad duty job in the fleet? You would. I would, yeah. I'd have kept him away from it the first chance I got. But that's just me. All hail the imaginative writing that called the fat guy Jolly. That is just genius. It's almost as good as calling him Porkins. <laughs> isn't it? 
Is he miserable? Oh, jolly. I don't... He's not really in enough episodes to be able to say. I think he gets credited throughout the series, but you only see him a couple of times. Kind of job you want, isn't it? So Jane Seymour's just lost her husband, who was crushed under a big rock. Boxy's just lost his dog, who was crushed under a big rock. Can't wait to show my friends. Wish they had a rock like that. She's already started flirting with Captain Apollo. Look, bubble wrap! Cool. Oh, you love the fact that in the seventh millennia of time we still use bubble wrap. Better than that, we're using bubble wrap as curtains. Why are all the kids not just sat there just popping it? <laughs> Because all the adults have already beaten to it. And then all the adults sat there. Oh, Boxy. Boxy wouldn't make the transition to the reimagined series, would he? I don't know. You don't remember? No, I haven't watched that. You did watch the reimagined one. Oh, sorry, I thought he'd... Yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't make the journey. No. We didn't have any cute kids. I thought he was in the TV series. No, he would be in the TV series quite a lot. Normally gets into trouble with his little muffet, the daggett. That ridiculous robot. That ridiculous. What's ridiculous about the robot? Oh, oh. The, the robot. I quite like the daggett. Oh, that seems quite funny. I mean, he's not come on yet, so you've not been able to laugh at him. I don't laugh at it. It's just ridiculous. It is not ridiculous. It is. It's funny. See, you like the frivolousness of this one and the silly stuff, and I just like the bleakness of the new well, one. Well, I like the new one because it's bleak. I've always said that the new one is in is a, a British science fiction television show inadvertently made in America, or Canada, because it's, it's very like Survivors, which you probably don't remember, do you? Not the new one. They did a new version of Survivors, didn't they? Yeah. But the old version of Survivors was bleak. We had to learn how to do farming again. And well, the what's it one's not barrel of laughs, was it? No, well, essentially it was the same idea, wasn't it? That mankind's been wiped out in some Day of the Triffids type event. So Captain Apollo, who's the commander's son and leader of Flight Squadron, he's on this important mission to check how much food they've got in the fleet. Just took all that time out to give a, a kid. One kid. One kid. Because his mum's perky. Well, his mum's Jane Seymour, so... Before she would become Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. She's got nice hair in this. She doesn't have far of her. Boomer's just going to shoot that guy. For doing his job. For doing his job. Your sound effects that will be used in Battlestar Galactica. I did like Boomer in this. I don't know what else Herb Jefferson Jr. ever went on to be in. Ray Milland, the man with X-ray eyes. And Sire Yuri. 
lot of big names in this cast for a television show. Richard Hatch would be the only guy who would go on to be in the, the new one as well, isn't he? None of the other guys would show up in the reimagined series. Who's that? Captain Apollo ended up being Tom Zarek. Oh, yeah. Didn't he? None of the others would make any appearances. He was sneaky, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a good character, Tom Zarek. Wasn't he? He's a troublemaker. Yes. Oh, and he looks gutted, doesn't he? <laughs> this big fat politician hoarding all the money for himself, surrounded by lots of pretty 70s girls. Which means there'll be plenty of her. Gutted that his wife didn't make the journey. He looks traumatised. He looks incredibly traumatised by the news that his missus didn't make it. I want to know where they've got all the candles from. That's what all those young girls are doing. They're consoling him. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> I like that the little pretty one next to him is just necking the drink. I better drink this quick before they take it off me. Yeah. When did they have time to... I'm sure somebody's pointed that out before. Say. When did they have time to elect a new Council of the Twelve? How much time has passed in this film? It doesn't have the two months later. No, it, it? it does seem that they've gone from the destruction of the colonies to gathering the fleet, to doing a runner, to looking for Earth, to electing a Council of the Twelve in five minutes. It is Cassiopeia. Very wonderful. Did he just spray her with glitter glue? Yes, and it fixed her arm. <coughs> Which Starbucks made up about. I love the elephant man wandering in there. <laughs> the guy with bandages all over his face. I'm not an animal! <laughs> oh, Cassiopeia. I suspect that if you knew a colonial oriole that, that if you did a sexual favour for, you probably wouldn't have to go back to that dingy ship. If only we knew one. If only. If only we knew a sexually frustrated colonial warrior. He's a warrior? I thought he was a pilot. Well, is that not the same thing? Colonial fights pilot, colonial warrior. Same thing, isn't it? Totally. I think so. That's an awful lot of her on both of them. Ah, more vipers. Just when you start to get bored, they'll put some spaceships in. Politicians. <laughs> Giving away our coordinates. Yeah, it's, it's not. 
the original Galactica was quite simplistic, and I like it because it's fun. The new one is a lot more morally ambiguous. But if there is one continuous plot thread, it's that politicians were idiots. Every time the Council of the Twelve got involved, they were wrong. We have to take a drink in a minute. Angela and I have this game that we take a drink whenever you see a scene that was used in the opening credits. And there was one. Wilfred Hyde White. Playing the doddery old man. He would go on to being Butt Rogers in the 25th century. You don't want to squeeze in a narrow passage, do you? Oh, no. And how would you propose doing that? Well, I suggest I find one or two volunteers to join me in flying a complete fire. I love Starbucks first. Run away, Run away in a I love it when he says one or two places to volunteer. Dirt Benedict was pretty good there. He was very good in that scene. His face was just all right. Volunteers. Can you guess who that's going to be? Because we don't have to do anything. We have the support and the blessing of the Council of Twelve says I. We're not going to put it to a vote. No. I love that Boomer was just wandering off. <laughs> Boomer was smarter than Starbuck. So by volunteering, that's not actually what he meant. No, he meant you two are going to come along and do this. I'm pretty, uh, pretty sure they use that rising star model in Butt Rogers as well. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the room that's full of curtains with uh, bubble wrap, Captain Apollo. Son to the commander, leader of Blue Squadron, and now leader of this dangerous mission through the Nova Magadon, has wasted colonial resources building a robot dog. Oh, is that how it came about? Yeah. Trained daggets. So no dogs. Go get some dogs instead. No dogs made the trip to the colonies. So all dogs were wiped out. No dogs alive. No, <laughs> no birds allowed. Come on, what is wrong with that dog, uh, robot? Do you know how they did this? There's a monkey in that suit. Seriously? Seriously, that's how they did it. There's a monkey in that in that daggett suit. How times have changed. Why would that not be allowed now? Would no. that be considered child child cruelty? Yeah. 
child cruelty. Monkey cruelty. Yeah, that, that's animal cruelty. Uh, I don't believe you for a second. We're going to have to take another drink in a minute. Opening credit shot coming up. Boxy play with Muffet. Muffet T Daggett. Train the monkey to wear a ridiculous suit. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Anytime I will squander resources building a robot dog. Oh, well, I'm sure I can come on the way for you to repay me, lovely Jane Seymour. They're all at it in this yeah. episode. Which is odd, because for the rest of the series, it would be quite chaste. There's only Starbucks showing any interest in sex. As opposed to the reimagined version, where that's all they were interested in. That's all there is, <laughs> There's no food. There's nothing to do. Well, they do start television again, don't they? Did they? Yeah, they started the news network, didn't they? Did a lot of drinking and card well, playing. Did Apollo make you? Yes. I like the swear word Felga card. You use it a lot. It never met, graduated to the new show, did it? No, because it's a bit daft, really. Yeah. Frax. Frax much better. But the, the creative usage of the swear word frack was much better in the new one. My favourite being Mother Fracker. That was genius. I think the first time the kids saw any news about fracking, um, <laughs> they did genuinely think they were swearing. <laughs> they genuinely thought Battlestar Galactica was on. No, they thought the news was swearing. Well, that's fair enough. No objection to them thinking that. Meanwhile, Cassiopeia is working very hard not to return to that cramped starship by shagging Starbuck in the launch tube. I think Should Starbucks like, hoping to get into her launch tube. You want me to stick my viper in your launch tube and shoot off my lasers? <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not turbo, we'll be alright. <laughs> no, I can't. It's an audio contract. I've got to leave it in. Now, why did he only say Lord? Uh, isn't it the Lords of Cobalt? Don't, don't the Galactica religious beliefs extend to gods? Plural, doesn't it? The gods of Cobalt, the Lords of Cobalt. But Starbuck only said Lord singular. Though. So maybe there is only a Lord. Maybe it's just plural gods. Or maybe they're just different religious denominations in the fleet. Maybe some believe in gods <laughs> and some believe in God. It's possible. Or it could be dirt better it flipped the line. This scene here, apparently there's two different versions of this, where Athena's looking for Starbuck, and she sees him shagging Cassiopeia in the uh, in the launch tubes. <laughs> there is a version, apparently, where Benedict's got no top on. Whereas the, he has a top on. They've only just started. What? They've only just started. They've only just got down to it. I want to know why he wasn't running away, though, given that she's burning his viper. Maybe he was enjoying it. 
what a jet of steam up his launch tube. Shagging your sister. If you know Sorry, fracking one. your sister. If you know he's got one, surely you know how he ended up with it. Yeah, surely that, that would have made it all the way around the fleet, wouldn't it, by now? Or let her off. Best bit about this scene is A, it's a, a great special effects sequence. The vipers have they've covered the cockpits with lead. So they can't actually see what they're doing, and now they've got to fly through this nova that is mined. Now, scientifically, it doesn't make any sense, because it appears that the mine is all on one plane, so surely the fleet could go under or over the minefield. But we'll ignore that, because Battlestar Galactica and the science never had a, a strong speaking relationship, as we've already established with the use of turbos and having a device to show you where the horizon is. But the best thing about this bit is they couldn't reuse a lot of this footage in the series. So this was like all new cool special effects footage when you watched it as a kid. Every other shot we've seen so far would get used ad infinitum, ad nauseum in the series oh, the that followed. The yeah, every, you'd see that at least three or four times every week. But all of this in Nova Magadon they didn't reuse because they would have to rewrite an entire scene where the fleet goes through a Nova for the sake of reusing this stock footage. Now I'm not saying that's beyond them because let's be honest they used an entire episode of The Incredible Hulk that they wrote around stock footage of Doodle and they wrote it around the stock so it's not beyond them to do that but this sequence because it wasn't reused constantly in the series was a very exciting one as a kid it still is I, mean, I still think this holds up quite well what's wrong with the special effects in this bit well that's not good Starbuck All these great shots of the Galactica that they never used again in other episodes. I think they may shoe on some of them into episodes of Galactica 80 or something. See, Athena doesn't seem too bothered now that she's poisoned Starbucks, little fracker. Well, burned him. The Vipers seem to be flying quite fast to be going through a minefield, don't they? They're not taking their time. They'd be crazy to follow. Wouldn't they? You're mixing up your Starbucks with your hand solos. Which I approve of, obviously. They've all got spaceships, They've all got 70s hair. There's not enough Cylons in this bit, though, is there? No, but the scene with the Cylons before looks a bit cat just three Cylons sitting there. Well, it takes three Cylons to fly a, a Cylon radar. 
But it's much cooler when it's the Cylon Raider on screen. Yeah. Well, in the reimagined one, the Cylon Raider is a Cylon, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. have pilots. No. It is a living machine. If that makes any sense. Carolina. Boomer suddenly auditioning for the Dukes of Hazard. Just in case this didn't pan out. <laughs> well, Dukes was only a year away from debuting. And that would have turned into a nice seven-year job for him, but alas. Opening credit footage, take a drink. Except for the year he'd have off when it was... <laughs> Contract negotiations went badly. Yeah. <laughs> when it was, what were the cousins there? Coy and Vance Duke. We don't, we don't talk about Coy and Vance. That's bottom of the barrel, isn't it? Oh, yeah. If Bo and Luke were A-list, Kai and Vance was Z-list. Meanwhile, back on the Cylon base star. Is that base star? Base star, base ship. It was used interchangeably throughout the series. Baltar is taken to the Imperious leader. In his Jedi, I guess. In his Jedi club, yes. Oh, there you go. Play, I do not alter it further. Baltar suddenly turns into a squeaming toady. Now, this scene is very interesting, because if you recall, I mentioned I saw Mission Galactica, the Cylon Attack first, which is the sequel, where Baltar is quite clearly alive and threatening the, the human race once more, whereas here, he gets his head cut off. Now, in the TV version, there you go, head cut off. In the TV version, the sword comes out and then it rewinds and goes back into its scabbard and the Imperious leader has some extra dialogue where he says, wait, I've changed my mind. And he survives to be the bad guy in the series because the Imperious leader puppet doll was a bit crap. So they keep Baltar around. But you can see why I would be confused given that he was beheaded in this one. Yeah. But alive in the sequel. Can you just imagine the difference it would have made in the new ones? Well, if they'd killed Bolter? Yeah. It wouldn't have been anywhere near as fun, would it? No. Bolter ended up being one of the best characters in it. In a bad kind of way. Yeah. He wasn't a good guy. So, this important mission to go and uh, explore Carillon for food and fuel... Captain Apollo is allowed to take his squeeze that he's just picked up, the kid, and the dog. A civilian and a child. A civilian, a child, and the robot dog. You can tell the robot dog is crap. <laughs> K9 was a robot dog. Yeah, but he wasn't this robot dog. He wasn't crap. Um, is this like that thing where you take the dog out for a walk and just dump it and dump it back with it? <laughs> That's poor Daggett. He's already been crushed under a rock. Lens flare. And suddenly, 
the pilot loses whatever little bit of darkness it had as they find a casino on another planet. Now, I don't wish to, to point out that the Cylons must have been very, 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 very crap at their jobs. But if their job was to annihilate the entire human race, why did the Galacticans find a planet every week that had humans on it? And it was normally a cowboy planet. It was normally a planet where they did Shane or the Magnificent Seven. Don't be afraid of the man pointing a gun at you. She's got a big feathered hat on. Every time she turns around, she keeps smacking Boomer in the face. You feel a bit sorry for poor Boomer. So he he keeps knocking it out of the way, did you say? Yeah, she just smacked her. A travelator. I love Galactica Linga. It's amazing. Totes. Totes. balls. And then she brushes past both her faces. Because you've never wanted to travel through a minefield to get to it? Which does beg the question how those people got there. Maybe they were already there, they went round it. You know, like you said, those smart people would have. Yeah. I do love this. This would be something that would be much more prevalent in Butt Rogers. But this idea that disco survives into the future. <laughs> I mean, in Butt Rogers, because it's a. You can at least assume that disco's come back. Yeah. But uh, how in the far off universe in the seventh millennium of time of all the musical art forms to make a comeback or survive disco? I think they've even got a glitter ball somewhere. Mirror balls are exceptionally cool. You don't expect to find them on the other end of the galaxy. I always wanted some cubits when I was a kid. It always looked like they had lots of cubits. Children could afford to give me some. Pretty sure all of these costumes were reused in Butt Rogers. Pretty sure all these actors were reused in Butt Rogers. Mm. be honest, the inspiration for this scene was clearly the Star Wars canteen scene. Play that song again. <laughs> Play that same song again. I love, look at the dancers they've got, have they got four eyes or six eyes and two mouths? I want to know where Starbuck gets his steady supply of cigars from. 
missed that running accident. I wonder if at least this is a single. Job's not bad on those three. I mean, you can clearly see where the line is in high definition. Down the edge of the first, which wasn't quite as noticeable when you watched it on television. Why does he have four right and two much? Why would they not? Because everybody else looks the same. There's a couple of funny alien people, though. We saw the elephant man earlier, don't we? Oh no, it was just a guy in a bad in a mask, was, wasn't it? I was gonna say he may have just been injured. <laughs> so if they've got four eyes and two minds, why have they still only got two arms and two legs? Evolution, who can explain it? Sure they'd look more like spiders. <laughs> so you're saying they should have four arms as well? Yeah. Four, four arms and four five legs. legs. Four legs. Don't agree there. Maybe they got two or something else. Yeah. Like Total Recall. Yeah. The TV version's a lot longer because Apollo tries to explain to Boxy why the Cylons hate us. That gets cut out of here. There goes the monkey. That's mean. It's not mean, it's perfectly acceptable to put a monkey inside a robot suit and make him perform. Lovely Jane Seymour seems to have gone over the death of her husband. It's easy done. <laughs> he was crushed under a rock. There's not a lot to tell. <laughs> and whatever happened to him, he's dead, so... It's not taken long, has it? No, it's not taken him and Pretty Jane so you more long to get together. <coughs> oh, I thought he'd escape then. No, the, the Daggett will... There's an issue of the Marvel Battlestar Galactica comic from the 70s where they do actually make you feel sorry for the, the Daggett. He gets all burned and what's his name trying to save the boy's life and you do actually feel something for him. Oh no, he's just been grabbed by something. I'm pretty sure that's where part two ends on television with Boxy getting kidnapped by the Ovian which I had an action figure of I know you find that hard to believe I'd find it very difficult to believe I had the Ovian I had the Imperious Leader I had Starbuck Commander Adama but I never had any Vipers or Cylons or anything Did you not have an Apollo? There was not an Apollo action figure Was there not? No Did you have a Jolly? I did not have a Jolly No They would use that vehicle that they're currently riding in on Butt Rogers. That's not a bad bunch of map paintings. No. That looks quite good. That looks quite good. I definitely. So aliens. The Orbions. Hive beings. Yes, the hive entities. I like this, Seth. It's very glittery. I like that they've covered up the obvious studio floor with dry ice. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than a Star Trek cave. Rather than a Star Trek cave, which is a black, flat floor. The language run. I'm pretty sure there's a version of this where they have subtitles. 
I can't be this. I love that Starbuck and Boom are just living it up. So they're all in the same casino then. Yeah. And once again, a Dharma son is the only one who thinks there's something weird about this. So basically, if you're not a Dharma or Apollo, you're an idiot. Take a drink. Well, you'd have to go get another one. Top your bottle up. You too, right? You have. Colonies are only straight half an hour ago. Has got a dressing gown mm. for him to be a bum killer in. Well, so far, I'm quite impressed with the high def of this. Then cutting it to, for a 16 by 9 frame seems a bit dubious, but I presume that's what they did to make it fit on the cinema screen back in 1978. Distracted earlier on when it was that early scene where you first saw, saw Starbuck. It looked like they were looking through one of those kitchen hatches. Yeah, whereas on the 4x3 version, you saw that they were looking through the bunks mm. that they sleep on. But yeah, it did look like they were in the back end of a, a washing machine. Oh, Cassiopeia's back. Alright, oh, I thought he was being a floozy with somebody else. No, no, he's been a floozy with the same person he was being a floozy with before. You think he fancies Cassiopeia more than he fancies Athena? Oh, you see what he did there? He's gonna play with Cassiopeia, he's not gonna play, uh, whatever. Oh, but here comes Athena! Oh no! Oh, the hijinks! That ends you from playing with two women at once. I always prefer Cassiopeia. Ooh, see the shock on his face now. <laughs> I like Dirt Benedict. I always thought Dirt Benedict was an entertaining actor. I love that the guy behind the counter is now looking at me. Wait a minute, is that a different girl? Yeah, he lied. He's a man. <laughs> of course, he lied. Oh, you smooth dog. Oh. Looking at this on Blu-ray, I think it's holding up quite well. 
I think it holds up a lot better than some 70s sci-fi like uh, Silent Running. In terms of how it looks, obviously Silent Running's a great movie, but it's very definitely of the 1970s. You've seen Silent Running? I don't know. I was a bit distracted by uh, what was going on there. Well, well, like Cassiopeia is not bothered that Starbucks got another girl, and she's like, okay. Oh, next time she's gonna charge him. Hmm. Poor Starbucks never gets a break, does he? So he's going to leave with nobody. Well, that's not the way it always works out in these scenarios. Is there any really Vansoir? I always love scenes like this, look, they've not paid anyone else to talk. <laughs> so she's just leaves talking to herself. Oh, you got paid a bit. Oh, you got paid a bit, but. Oh, and now we're going to find out all oh, is not happy in the state of Carolina. Or Denmark, or wherever the hell we are. Carolina or Denmark? I couldn't remember what the actual line was. I don't know, but it's not going to be good. She of the feathered hat and one with dungarees on. So it's obviously something a bit scary. That's just a bit, yeah. So we've completely forgot at this point that the entire human race have been wiped out. And now we're having. Ones and now we're on fun. Now we're having fun on the planet of the casino people. This Council of Twelve wouldn't last very long. It would be a completely different Council of Twelve by the time he gets to the series. I think Commander Adama had him assassinated. I don't know. <laughs> Justice from the people that just wiped us out. See, they played a lot with this idea in the, the reimagined one, didn't they? That if Adama has control then doesn't that make the fleet of martial law? Yes. So they had to have the Council of the Twelve in the new one to give the people a voice. Because they do, don't they do an entire plot line about Roslyn running for presidency? Because, I could be misremembering this, isn't she only president because the line of succession is that the president's dead, the vice president's dead and they keep going down the line as who's in line politically and it ends up being Laura Roslin isn't she something like yeah. 45th in line even though she's actually only a school teacher yeah she is the but next. she was she was a senator on Caprica she is the next person alive yeah and they established that even though she was only a lowly senator on Caprica she is the most highly ranked politician that has survived the destruction of the colonies yeah. So, Which is why 
Balto goes up against her later on. Yeah, but doesn't Tom Zarek go up against her as well? Oh no, Tom Zarek is Balto's political campaigner, isn't he? Yeah. So they do have this entire plot line in the imagined one about voting for a president. Isn't that where it all starts? Isn't he the one who starts planting the seeds? Yeah. And kicking up the fuss? Yeah. See, they never bothered with any of that stuff in the original. <laughs> Adama was always right. End of story. Yes. Whereas in the reimagined one, he answered to the president, didn't he? Yeah. So the fleet wasn't under martial law. Well, he didn't answer to her, but they kind of discussed things through. I know, but ultimately, chain of command was he followed her orders. Yeah. Until they did a couple of episodes where he didn't agree with her, didn't they? Yeah. And then he ended up evoking martial law, didn't he? Yeah. And ended up leading a rebellion against her before he ultimately realised that he was wrong and then he backed down didn't he it does take you men a while it does it does take us a while yeah but she ended up being quite a good president because she ended up being quite ruthless didn't she It's not like she's give Boomer and Apollo anything, is it? She may enjoy herself more with Boomer and Apollo. Although Apollo seems wrapped up in Pretty Jane Seymour, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, now we get a close for Cassiopeia screaming. The Ovians are eating them! Soil and Green is people! <laughs> Starbuck going to do with them? Where was he going to take them? For somebody who seemed to spend so much time wanting to get out of the military, you got to wonder why he was in it in the first place. What, because you couldn't hire the vocal group to do what you wanted them to? Although I can imagine a woman with two mouths would come in useful. You'd never shut her up. <laughs> I love that we've got to go and get dress uniforms you don't accept in a battle suit. You know what the difference is? Instead of wearing a coat, they put a cape on. Nice. Capes make everything better. This is a generally accepted fact. No. Do you not believe that? No, right. no capes, darling. No. <laughs> Very good. And the mood. <laughs> Adama's meeting Colonel Ty in the large tube because he figures that the uh, the controls the controls, the radio transmissions are monitored down here and he just scared the Felga cab out of the guy. Did you not scare the frack out of him? He could have scared the frack out of him. They seem to interchange what frack and felt. I always thought frack was. Yeah. Whereas felga carb was the other one. 
I don't know why we're being coy about it. We've already said fuck off in this one, so it's not going to be family friendly. Yeah, but you, you got to put one of those bleeps over it. Am I? I haven't planned on editing this. I wonder how many big vipers they had. How many life-size vipers they had. I wonder if they only had the one. Because obviously he's gone over to another one. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, but it could just be one of those flat cardboard cutouts with a chair behind it. Yeah, it could be. Of course it is, because it's Commander <laughs> the plot, but it'll be right, I believe. <laughs> yes, we should do that. What are we doing? <laughs> we should do that thing that you haven't told me what we're doing that I may not agree with. Totally. My belly's rumbling. We'll guess when the tweet. It must be very warm in that Viper cockpit because Colonel Ty seems to be sweating quite a lot. They're all sweating quite a bit, if you notice. Commander Dahmer's not. He's, a, he's, a, he's ineffably cool, isn't he? Whatever he does. Do you think that's something that's a high death thing? Sweaty faces. That you wouldn't have noticed that they were sweating as much if you weren't watching it on Blu ray. Mountain won't come to Mohammed. <laughs> From a certain point of view. Adama has to spell this out for Colonel Ty. No, I'm fine. The reimagined show was a lot more realistic in its depiction of the military. Although it followed the this the old shows ranking so a commander doesn't outrank a captain but in this commander of armor is commander of the fleet even though he's not a captain so how they worked out the the ranks in this they just seem to go with what seemed to sound better in, when you said it captain of armor doesn't sound as good as commander of armor so we'll have a commander of armor which is fair enough I love that there's a guy just asleep on the bunk, which I suppose, you know, you would be, wouldn't you? You've just gone through the destruction of the colonies, you've had a couple of nights down on Carillon, gambling and drinking. Have a few nights. <laughs> Colonel Ty just picked up some colonial warrior uniforms and he spilt all the money from in the pocket all over the floor, which is... Actually quite a funny bit, because I do that all the time. But you see what I mean about 
the first two thirds at this quite bleak mediation on what it's like to have your entire race wiped out overnight and then by the time you get to the part three or the, the last third of the film you're suddenly in this farce with the second in command of the Galactica he's wandering around stealing uniforms and spilling cubits all over the floor and doing comedy beats like this when he gets caught by Starbuck and Boomer What for walking into the bunk? And the guy in the bunk straightened out his uniform. <laughs> that was a good little comedy beat. By this point in the proceedings, Colonel Time mustn't have a broken leg anymore because he's not in plaster. confused by how the jumpers would rip open but now you know a little bit more about how TV production works it's the same with the Star Trek uniforms in the original series they had zips down the side so they could do the makeup and the hair and then put the uniforms on and not have it affect the makeup and the hair so what you're seeing is the colonial warriors jumpers are actually velcroed so they open them like they're a shirt but they look like they pull them over the heads as jumpers because you don't want to mess up all this 70s hurt. The relationship between Apollo and Dharma in the, the 1978 version of, Night, of Battlestar was uh, a lot more amicable than it would be in the reimagined version. The reimagined version is a great show. It's one of my favourite science fiction TV shows ever. Um, it is incredibly bleak. So if you don't like your sci-fi bleak, then you may want to stay away from it. But one of the criticisms that can be levelled against it is that it never went for a, a comfortable relationship when it could go for a dysfunctional one. Apollo and Adama have their differences in the 1978 one. But for the most part, Apollo worships his father and his father loves his son and they're not ashamed of showing it, even though they occasionally have minor differences. In the reimagined one, Apollo and, Dar- and uh, Dharma are burly on speaking terms when the series begins largely because there's still resentment from both parties over what happened to the brother Zack who Apollo feels was forced into becoming a Viper pilot because that's what his dad wanted him to be and he wasn't really very good at it and Starbuck obviously was a girl in the newer version is uh is having an affair with Zack and they're scheduled to be married they will find out later in the series that Starbuck passes Zack because of that relationship even though he's not a good enough pilot to have passed and then obviously he dies none of them knew that at the time but that causes more relationship friction 
between Adama, Starbuck and Apollo. None of the characterization in the 70s one was had any anywhere near that level of depth, but it was a 70s television show. You know, considering the time that it was made, the fact that there's as much characterization in this show as there is, is quite remarkable. The other thing that was remarkable about it, as you get into the series proper, there is an awful lot of two-part episodes as the show goes on. The show was originally pitched as a, a series of television movies that was promoted to be in a weekly television series. Glenn Larson claims that that was because of the success of Star Wars and Battlestar was already in development. But uh, I don't know whether I, I believe that, you know. Towards the end of the series, a lot more of the writing would be done by Donald Bellasario. It was nothing to do with the pilot. But Don Bellasario would go on to do Wolf and Magnum P.I. and NCIS and Tales of the Gold Monkey and a whole slew of shows, all of which have always had the edge over Glenn A. Larson stuff. Larson stuff was fun, but largely kid-vid stuff. He, he produced Knight Rider and The Fall Guy. Although, he's, like I say, his, his television shows are watchable and enjoyable. There's not really any depth of characterization to them. Belisario's work is known largely for its character work. He believes in character. And you see this in his shows. And later on in Galactica's first season run, the Bellasuri episodes will concentrate a lot more on character, but Bellasuri's episodes will also develop a running story arc, one of the very first of its kind on US television, British television, and Battlestar Galactica, uh, Blake 7, not Battlestar Galactica, which was essentially one long continuous story, Survivors was a long continuous story, but the fact that the, the back half of the first season and only season of Galactica has this story arc concerning these Nazi type warriors that they capture on a planet and then they capture Baltar and keep him in the prison ship and then they capture these Borellian Nomen that they keep in the prison ship and this all culminates at the end with the Ultra jailbreak so the latter half of the season follows this quite intensive story arc very rough by the time that it was made. Uh, Starbucks just pointed out to Apollo that nothing is as it seems. The dress uniforms consist of nice natty capes. Jane Seymour's got a hair out. Very lovely it is to Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman's hair. Uh, just for Michael Bailey, it all comes back to Superman. Jane Seymour's son is named Christopher after Christopher Reeve. Why? Uh, they were good friends they worked together in somewhere in time oh. and Jane Seymour and Chris Reeve ended up becoming good friends and she named her son Christopher after him he may have even been godparent to him or something I know they were they were good mates ah the goatee beard lives on but that means you must be evil yeah Evil Twin, Evil Twin. Oh, there you go, those are subtitles. Almost a full complement of warriors. You know subtitles for that, there's no translator Tron. There is no translator Tron, that's very true. 
And you don't really need the subtitles. He gives away essentially what he said in his answer, doesn't he? You can kind of figure it out yourself if you've got half a brain. I'm surprised you've never wanted a pair of boots like that. They're just biker boots, aren't they? Did you see the heel on them? Well, what are you trying to say? I'm afraid of them. What are you trying to say? Did you think both of them were quite short then and they were in high heels? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to say? To make them slightly taller. In the television version, this bit here is a lot longer. Starbuck and Apollo have a, a big conversation here explaining the plot for the hard of thinking. In the, the film version, essentially they have one or two lines of dialogue while they're being shot at. The implication, obviously, being if you're watching this at the cinema, you're obviously paying more attention. And maybe you're just a little bit brighter. But, again, that was symptomatic of television at the time. The Six Million Dollar Man would go to great efforts at every opportunity to explain the plot so that people weren't lost. And I don't think any of the plots for Six Million Dollar Man were what you could ever call complex. This shot here is a wide shot in the TV version. And there's a lot more dialogue between Starbuck and Apollo. Oh, they're just going to cut Box's head off! Fortunately, Starbuck shoots him. Put a silo. So there's lots of fuel on the planet that's the reason that they're there and they're just going to blow it up. This bit could have been a bit more horrific. Where we just see the Orvians eating all the humans. I like that Apollo and Starbuck make no effort whatsoever to help them. I mean, there was still a bit of a line of dialogue, though, and there's like, oh, the Tyler's been told to the Cylons and the Orvins are eating them, just in case you've not figured it out. Oh, he's going to rescue Cassiopeia, though, isn't he? Why? Why would you not? She's got charging next time. <laughs> I reckon having saved her from being eaten by Orvians, being eaten by Starbuck for free is probably the best she can offer him. Silent base star. Imperious leader, once again, all in shadow, never seen properly. Yay, by your command. Did we not see a gold Cylon in this one? The gold Cylons were really cool. Alright. Right. I presume that they were the ones that were quite as stupid as the silver ones. Or were quite as bad shots. Set fire to the Tylium and burn the Cylons. I love the Cylons. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. 
Meanwhile, back on the Galactica, Athena's back at work. How come she doesn't get to go and have fun? Being eaten by Ovians. Shut up, you pompous ass. This way, this way. There's some good back paintings there as they're crossing the bridge. Yay, here comes Muffet. Bouncing along, because he's a monkey. Oops. <laughs> Yay, was that our first old frack? We've had a couple of Felga cabs. Mm. I don't think we've had a frack. Certainly, uh, yeah, you can see the cutting of the framing when you show the close ups of the computers. Most part, I'm thinking this is holding up pretty damn good. There's not too many map lines around the spaceship. God, is he still talking? I would imagine people listening to this are saying the same about us. Oh, typical politician. Oh, it's not looking good. When it starts getting exciting, you stop talking, don't you? Forget that you're supposed to be informing the lovely listeners of stuff, just in case they're not watching it, which I'm convinced people probably will. Be. Um. Gene Seymour's hers all the way down <laughs> her back. Well. I was just going to say, yes, you take your own child, and then the next time you look, he's not actually with her until they get to the vehicle. Well, maybe that was just an editing, in, an editing error. We can't leave without Muffet. I we, think you can. We can't let the Daggett get crushed under a big rock again. Hey, well done, Daggett. That must have been Postman Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> the daggett humping the leg of the Cylon. He was biting it. <laughs> Postman Cylon.
You tell them jolly. So do you think the Galactica got all the humans off the planet? Because it seemed there was an awful lot on there. Uh, we laugh at the fat joke. Where's the fleet? Have they hidden the fleet behind a moon somewhere? Because the Galactica was on its own, though. There was no fleet for it to protect. That backdrop, though, looks a bit weak, doesn't it? Mm. Matt painting of all the vipers. And there's quite clearly only one. Oh no, there may be two. But they must have built two life size. Somebody else auditioning for the Dukes of Hazard there, did you hear him? It was the next big thing. It was, like I said, it was only a season away from debuting. Your dad's only just died, dude! Oh man, what an ungrateful brat! See, where's the fleet? I wouldn't bet money on that. Yes, completely by surprise. Completely by surprise. Stock footage from earlier on in the film. From when Atlantia blew up. So we're already into one one episode in and we're using footage from earlier on. Oh, there's the fleet. The fleet's suddenly miraculously shown up. For some reason. Ooh, a couple of map boxes around the Cylon spaceships there. But the level of detail on the, the Galactica model is brilliant. I want that model. I don't have a Galactica. I've got a couple of Vipers now. And a stealth raider. And a stealth raider. You can tell the stock footage from earlier on in the film. Commander Adama's not wearing his big long robe now. Mm. But in the stock footage from earlier on, he is. And then we get the reason we watch the show every week. A big battle. A big battle. Vipers versus Cylons. Come on, the Vipers are awesome. Da, 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 da. Exactly the same footage we just shot, but with the planet removed. I love space. playing. Take a drink every time they use stock footage in Battlestar Galactica could get you drunk really quickly. We've, I mean, how many times have we seen that shot of the Cylons attacking the front of the Galactica? That's at least the fifth time. Cylons looking surprised. Same footage from earlier on, because you'll notice the Battlestar doesn't have a, a nameplate. And that's the last mention of Zack in the series.
funny life. Something else they did on the reimagined one that they never did on this. The amount of damage that the Galactica took did actually start taking its toll on the ship, didn't it? She was falling to bits. By the end of the series, the Galactica was falling to pieces. Whereas in this... But that was actually an episode as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Where they had to go fix in the cracks. They had to fix the cracks in the Galactica's hull because of the amount of damage she'd taken. Whereas in this, it was, it was never even mentioned that the Galactica took multiple hits and just survived with no problems whatsoever. Love the gun turrets. Always thought the gun turrets were cool. I don't know who was firing them. Open the credit shot. Oh. Love, I always love that shot where they blow the silent up and then fly through the explosion. I always thought that was cute. My appreciation of this is largely due to the coolness factor, isn't it? Coolness? Oh, come on, the Vipers are cool. The Silent Raiders are cool. The fights in space are cool. The Galactica is cool. It's just awesome watching the dog fights. So it's fights. all the toys that you like. Pretty much. Not the actual stories or the acting. No, the, the stories. The acting, I think the acting holds up pretty well, considering the time. It's certainly watchable enough. There's not been any laughable acting moments. There's been a couple of weak moments from the kid. But there's not been any outright laughable acting moments. There's not been any outright laughable bits. I mean, some of the plot doesn't hold up under scrutiny. Like, why are they suddenly not bothered about all the people they've lost? And where did this quorum of the Twelve come from? And the, the discipline does seem to be quite lax on the Galactica. Apollo and Starbuck are frequently disobeying orders and no one gives a toss. But no, Starbuck was pretty cool and Apollo was alright. Boomer was cool. A lot of time for Boomer. Boomer was the one who was legging it out of the way when he was mentioning yeah. the volunteers. Starbuck was still stood there. So Starbuck and Apollo are managing to convince that one base star that they are actually three or four different squadrons. would know that, wouldn't you? I think you need to feel the need to point that out to her. Mm. She's a bit slower. She is, yeah, but she was pretty, so that's probably why she got the job. Maybe she was a producer's daughter or something. Pretty vacant. Oh, so pretty. Oh, so pretty. More shots of the Imperious leader in which we don't actually see much of him. 
He does have Patrick McNeen's great voice, though. See, did you know the camera was pushing in on him? And the minute it got too close, it cut away. And again. Yay, by your command. near the, the huge planet that is nothing but fuel. We never said the Cylons were smart, did we? So, if the Galacticans didn't get all those humans off that planet, they'd just blown them all up. So there is significantly less humans in the universe now than there used to be. Stock footage of Atlantia blowing up. It's good job we didn't turn this into a drinking game, isn't it? How would they have gotten that far away that quickly? Because Apollo and Starbuck are awesome. FTL. Yeah. That was something that's ne- that was never mentioned in the original show, that they had an FTL drive. The fact that they travelled great distances at sublight speeds was never mentioned. Right. But did they actually do it? No. Never mentioned at all in the original show. Unless the assumption was that those speeds were so fast that was just the normal speeds but it was never mentioned that the Galactica or the Vipers could move in hyperspace or warp drive or something like that so it's going to take them a while to find Earth unless it's both in the thing and there's your setup for the series will one day we will find Earth Yes, it is. Are you happy to see it finish? Well, I did totally enjoy it, but I'm a sucker for Battlestar Galactica. I thought this 35th anniversary Blu-ray transfer was pretty damn good. And I enjoyed watching that with you, even if you didn't enjoy it. Oh, it was the best night of the week. You were so snarky. And, as I say, in the television version, there's an extra scene at the end here where Baltar doesn't get his head cut off. And, in fact, he's spurred to be the bad guy in the series. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that. And I hope you did too. I did. What was your favourite bit, Anne? This bit. <laughs> Excellent. Leonotis Gill would go on to be the film editor on Airwolf. Ed Begley Jr. was in it. Who would go on to be in something else. Harker Wade, I know that name from somewhere. Sensorround, which was a big deal in the 70s by my understanding. John Dykstra doesn't get credit for special effects at the end. He got credited at the beginning. Who's Ed Begley Jr.? Ed Begley Jr. was the principal in Veronica Mouse. Richard Edland and Dennis Muren, both uh, alumni of Star Wars, both responsible for the special effects. <coughs> Ralph McQuarrie did the Andy Prober, who designed Airwolf. 
Ralph McQuarrie did the uh, pre-production paints and some of which are gorgeous. They were used a lot on the cover of the novels and in the, the middle section. You know, in the novelizations, the books used to get coloured bits. Mm. Ralph McQuarrie's paintings were used in the, se- in the middle colour sections. As with the Ralph, Ralph McQuarrie stuff, they were excellent. Well, there you go. There was our, I want to say commentary, it was more a discussion. No, um, it was more of a commentary with the odd input. Was it? Was it input from you? It was uh, on the Blu-ray release for the 35th anniversary of Battlestar Galactica. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. What you? We hope you enjoyed listening to us waffle. I know I enjoyed listening to you waffle. You did the waffling. All right. Then. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.